Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Nathan Sheehan walked us through what James has to say about patience in the life of a Christian. Follow along and we hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, guys. My name's Dallas. I've grown a feet a foot since the last time you saw me. Two feet, and I have brown hair now. I'm just kidding. Um, my name is Nathan, and I'm usually helping out with the music up here, but I'm happy to be a little out of my comfort zone this morning and teaching instead. So we are ready to move on in the book of James this morning. So if you have a Bible with you, you can go ahead and get it out. And we're going to open it to James chapter five. James chapter five, that's where we will be this morning. And as you're turning there, I would love to share a story with you. So in the year 2013, which I know may be hard for some of you guys to remember, yours truly was in high school. Just like now, I was a tried and true South Carolina football fan. I will add that being a South Carolina fan in 2013 was a lot easier than it has been in recent years. But this particular year, South Carolina was playing in the Outback Bowl at the end of the season against the Michigan Wolverines. So for anyone who is actually able to watch this game or has heard about this game, it was absolutely incredible. I'm talking everything that you want to see as a fan, even coming down to the final drive where South Carolina threw a game-winning touchdown, leaving only 11 seconds left on the clock. Now, of course, as special as something like that is, something even more special happened just a little earlier in the fourth quarter. Michigan was on offense and they were driving down the field. South Carolina managed to stop them and hold them to a fourth down. However, as Michigan lined up to punt, which would have given South Carolina back the ball, they ran a fake play and ran it instead. This is where the story gets a little crazy. The South Carolina defense did in fact manage to stop the Michigan runner short of the first down. This should have resulted in a turnover, giving South Carolina back the ball with some really good field position. In fact, I have a picture of the ball spot for you. Why don't we look at that together? Yep, so for those of you that do not know what you're looking at, that brown thing is a football. (laughs) And this orange and black stick is where the ball needs to be to get a new set of downs and continue having the ball. So I'll pull the room. Is the brown thing touching or past the orange and black stick? No. Good job. You guys are now football referees, or at least better ones than in this game. Because the referees called this a first down. True story. True story. This is, this is all real. I know. In fact, the referees in the replay booth, so the people who have access to the slow-mo cameras and all the stuff you see when you're watching on ESPN, initiated an official review of this. The ball was where they said it was. They kept with that. The first down was where they said it was. And still, first down. I don't even know where to, like, what? (laughs) So bad. So, South Carolina had been done really wrong. Now, I'm sure for a lot of people, they were done. They thought that that was it. Nothing else was going to happen. I'm sure a lot of players were ready to throw in the towel and just give up. I'm certain there were a lot of complaining fans and arguments among the players, but none of that would have changed or did change anything about this moment. You see, if there was going to be anything that made it right, it was going to be something completely out of control of the fans, and the players were going to have to line back up and, well, keep playing. I would like to show you a clip of the very next play, like the next thing that happened in the game. So why don't we look at this together? 
So they've just finished arguing and complaining, they've lined back up, and this happens. Wow. Michigan at the 41. What a hit! Ball's free! On the ground! South Carolina deserves to have it! Yes. Yes. Incredible. To catch my breath. Incredible. I'll come off the ball and rock you and get it right back for our offense. Oh, they're going to show it to us again. Off the left side and Clowney ignites himself into the Michigan backfield. Look at this. Look at this beast. How about that? Oh. And get off. <laughs> and he scoops it up with his left hand. He wanted to roll with it. Not many guys I've ever seen. And another get angle. Off the ball and rock people. Up. Like One more time. By the man, as we've said, who's touted as the best player in the country. Guys, imagine that being the thing that you get famous for. Like that poor Michigan running back, right? Like he's famous for just having his helmet sent 10 feet in the wrong direction. What a, what a sad claim to fame, right? But wouldn't you know it, something came along that made that last moment right. And for a long time, if you just Googled the hit, this would be the thing that came up. It has gone down as one of the greatest football plays of all time. And I know it's been a fun, like really cool story, but I wanted to use it to set up a couple of questions. What do you do when you've been wronged? How do you respond when someone sins against you, when they make fun of you or they reject you? What do you do when something doesn't go your way or if you've lost something that's important to you, maybe a family member, a friend, or some social status? Do you get bitter? Maybe you complain or you argue. Maybe you just wanna throw in the towel and give up. Or maybe you even look for some way to get even. So I think all these questions point to one thing. What do we do when sin affects our lives? What do we do when sin affects our lives? And I'd like us to hear from the book of James this morning and see what he has to say. So let's look together at James chapter five, Verses seven through 11 says this, be patient therefore brothers until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another brothers so that you may not be judged. Behold the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So what's happening here? Well, if you remember from last week, there were some wealthy landowners that were wrongly withholding wages from Christian workers. In his book, James has just, just finished addressing the sin of those landowners and has now shifted his attention back to the Christians. Now, of course, I would like to point out that not being paid is a way bigger issue than some sports thing. I mean, we're talking about money that's for, for food or clothes on their backs, things to provide for their families. And with that in mind, his command for the Christians who have just been done wrong is therefore be patient. So coming off the string of hard questions, the passage that we just read is already difficult. What do we do when sin affects our lives? Be patient. Why? Why be patient? Well, I think that's the first thing that James wants us to know. We should be patient because the Lord is coming back. 
Just look back at verses seven through 10. I've kind of summarized it a little bit. Until the coming of the Lord, the coming of the Lord is at hand. The judge is standing at the door. Now, I think that may bring up a follow-up question. Why does God's return inspire me to be patient? Well, because God is the judge who is standing at the door. And what does a judge do? Well, he brings about justice, right? A judge brings justice. James wants us Christians to be reminded that God has the final word. He is the ultimate judge. And when he returns, he will save his people and make everything right. So to help you remember this idea this morning, I've made a meme for you about God's justice. Let's show that first little clip so that we can get an idea of what it looks like. It's coming, maybe. There it is, all right, take it in. This is what I chose to meme and the caption, yes. So we have God's justice judging sin and then there's some more sin that also got just sent far away. (laughs) That's good. So as we read from this passage together, it's also important to point out some of the language that James is using. The coming of the Lord is at hand. The judge is standing at the door. James, the disciples and the early Christians had no idea when the Lord would come back. So in light of that, they lived their lives every day as if God could return at any moment. But you see, here's the kicker. We don't know when God is coming back either. However, we all live our lives as if it's a long way off. We say things like, well, I'd like to have blank first. You can fill that in. Or I'd like to be married first. Or I wanna be wealthy or famous first. We plan and we live our lives as if the Lord's return is so far off, but that's not what James is telling us to do. He is telling us to be patient because the Lord is coming. What a powerful reminder. We shouldn't be bitter. We shouldn't try to get even. We shouldn't complain, throw in the towel, or give up. Instead, we should be patient because the judge is coming to set things straight. James is reminding Christians that we should be patient for the justice of God. So why should we be patient? Because the Lord is coming back. Because the Lord is coming back. Now, I think the next thing that James wants Christians to know is how do we be patient? So when I say be patient, it probably just makes you think about sitting around and waiting. And of course, if your parents ever told you to sit around and be patient, you knew not to get irritable or upset but you also probably didn't really do anything. But this isn't a full picture of what James is calling us as Christians into. So why don't we look together at the three examples that he gives us to draw a better picture of patience. First comes the patience of a farmer. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth until it receives the early and the late rains. I would like to help you remember this patience as patience in the everyday. Patience in the everyday. So in this geographic region, there are two major rains that the farmers are looking for as they get ready to do their farming. You guessed it, the early and the late ones. Both are vital to the success of the harvest. And as I'm sure you're aware, a farmer has absolutely no control over the rain. It doesn't matter how much planting or tending or caring or blood, sweat and tears that he pours in to his plants. If there's no rain, there is no harvest but the harvest is his whole livelihood. I mean, talk about trust. A farmer doesn't know when it's gonna rain. He can't even guarantee that it will. The rain is under God's control. 
But by contrast, if the rain does come when it should, what if the farmer has done nothing? No tending, no care, no work. Well, guess what? No harvest. If all the farmer does is sit and wait for the rain, he will not have a successful harvest. The farmer has everyday things that he has been given to take care of, but he also knows that some things are out of his control. The same is true for us. We all have things that we have been given responsibility over. For me, it's my family, my job, Brentley and I's new puppy, our house, and my list goes on. For you guys, it's your schoolwork, your family, your friends, your spare time, your list goes on. We cannot give up on the day-to-day. There are things that God has entrusted to us, and if we slack or we don't take care of them, we're going to be held accountable for it. And yes, sometimes taking care of our responsibilities gets really hard. Sometimes the sin in the world can be overwhelming. Sometimes taking care of our responsibilities gets really boring and repetitive. And yes, Sometimes things happen that are out of our control that we don't understand. Maybe it's a scary diagnosis or a tragedy that just doesn't seem to make sense to us, but just like the farmer, we must continue to be responsible. And we have to know that God is in control of everything else. So how does a farmer have patience in the everyday? He takes care of his responsibilities and he trusts God with the rest. And how are we patient in our everyday? We take care of our responsibilities and trust God with the rest. We take care of our responsibilities and trust God with the rest. So the next example of patience that James gives is the patience of the prophets. As an example of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And I would like to help you remember this patience as patience through rejection. Patience through rejection. Prophets were people in the Old Testament that, as James puts it, spoke in the name of the Lord. And what this meant is that they would go to groups of people and proclaim things that God had said. The catch is, prophets were almost never accepted. Two of the most popular, maybe familiar prophets to us today, Isaiah and Jeremiah, were both brutally murdered on behalf of the things they said for God. Prophets were frequently mocked, and they, never usually, they usually never saw any of the things they proclaimed come true during their own lifetimes. Instead, they came true many years later. So what's true about prophets? They were often confronted by the sin of others head on and prophesied against it, regularly living a life dependent on the voice of God while rarely seeing any fruit from their work. Guys, I I think that's a lot of what the Christian life looks like today. We live in a world that's growing more and more hostile to the Christian faith. I mean, I'm I'm just curious in this room, have any of you guys ever been outcast or maybe left out or made fun of because of your belief in God? Anybody? Yeah, some hands. Now I wanna be careful. Please don't raise your hand for this next one. Just answer it up here. In that moment, how many of you were really hurt by it? Or maybe you were even tempted to hide or abandon your faith altogether. You see, I think it's these moments that we can learn from the patience of the prophets, their patience through rejection. You see, in the face of all this rejection, they still spoke for God. The prophets held tightly to God's word and they continued to speak it even when people wouldn't listen. 
They valued the word of God over social status, over being liked, and even their own lives. So how were the prophets patient through rejection? They held on to God's word even when others didn't. They held on to God's word even when others didn't. How are we patient through rejection? The same way. We hold on to God's word even when others don't. Even when others don't. The final example that James gives is the patience of Job. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. And I would like to help you remember this patience as patience through loss. So who is Job and why is he the last example that James gives? Well, Job is the name of a man in the Old Testament. His story takes up an entire book called Job. Very good. This guy was incredibly wealthy. He had it all. He had all of it. I'm talking camels, donkeys, oxen, land, yeah, servants, sheep, children, all, right? So wealthy. And I'm fully aware, I am fully aware that some of that gets lost on our modern ears. We don't hear about camels and donkeys and immediately equate that with extreme wealth. So I'll keep it simple. Job was the wealthiest man in the whole region where he lived. Think wealthiest person in America. This guy had money. Now, on top of all of this, he was an extremely devoted follower of God. And this is where his story starts to develop. Because of his great faith, Satan specifically asked God if he could test Job. So God agreed and gave Satan the authority to test Job. And what came after this is a tragedy. Job lost everything. Everything. His animals were gone. His children were dead. His friends accused him of some secret sin. And his wife told him to curse God and die. But through all of this, Job never lost his faith. So yes, this is a sad story. There's not really a way around that. But I think it's here to remind us that we as Christians have to know that loss is coming. We have to. We will lose friends and family. We will lose money and social status. We will lose personal possessions. We might even lose our lives. Many Christians around the world every day do. But we are called to have the patience of Job, patience through loss. How did Job stay patient through loss? He never abandoned his faith. So how can we be patient through loss? The same, never abandon our faith. Never abandon our faith. So as we start to close, I'd like to point back to the thing that our patience rests on. It's at the end of our passage for today. You have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Now, immediately, I know where your mind may be going. How can the Lord be compassionate and merciful and say that he has a purpose or a plan when everyday children starve to death or a natural disaster strikes and kills millions of people or when a member of my family gets a scary diagnosis that I don't know how to process or when all my friends leave me, I hear you. But please be reminded that God never promised that it would be easy. He actually promised the opposite. I'd like to share with you this morning one of my favorite reminders of God's purpose. It comes from the book of Habakkuk in chapter one. It says this, Look at the nations and watch. 
and be utterly amazed for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. So Habakkuk is a prophet in the Old Testament and what is happening here is he has just finished telling God about all the violence and the destruction and the injustice that he sees in the world. Habakkuk even actually goes as far to say that justice never prevails. But that's God's response. God's response is that his plan and his purpose are beyond the understanding of Habakkuk. So yes, justice is coming. Yes, justice does prevail. It just might not come about in a way that makes sense to us. Back to our reminder from James. Yes, the Lord has a purpose. Yes, he is compassionate and merciful, even when we don't see it. See, the patience that James is calling us into is not an idle waiting. He is not telling us to just sit around or to complain or to be angry or try to get even. He is calling us into an active waiting, an active patience. We are patient in the everyday, patient through rejection and patient through loss. And with all of these things, we have to be faithful to God. We have to trust that his compassion, his mercy and his purpose will all remain. And yes, we will encounter sin and the impacts of it in every single part of our lives. But we must remember to be patient, to know that one day God is coming back to set everything straight to know that he is coming back to prove his compassion, his mercy, and his purpose. We have to remain responsible here while we wait on God to do what only he can do. We have to trust that God is who he says he is and will do what he says he'll do. So back to our question, what do we do when sin affects our lives? And our command, be patient. By actively pursuing God in the everyday especially through rejection and loss. What do we do? We be patient by actively pursuing God in the everyday, especially through rejection and loss. Would you guys pray with me? Father, we're grateful for this hard word from James today that in the face of sin and wrongdoing and injustice, that our command to be patient is it's, it's hard to do. So as we live our lives, as we encounter loss and rejection and we go about our day to day, would you give us the strength of your spirit? Help us to be dependent on you. Help us to cling to your word as the prophets did. Give us endurance for the race that you have put ahead of us. We're grateful for this time this morning to sing, to lift your name high to experience community together, to hear your word. And as we go into small groups now, would your spirit continue to speak, continue to move and work. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.